0: Hello and welcome on The Barricades. This is your favorite weekly political show delivered to you by Eastern European journalists and academics and activists. And I'm Bojan Stanislavski. I'm the host of the show and the co-host of the show is Maria Czernat, who's with us. You can see her. Hello. Hi. And our very special guest, Stanislav Besok. Hello, Stanislav. Hi, guys. Hi. So Stanislav is a Russian political scientist and expert, and also a frequent commentator on uh, Russian media outlets. We invited him, uh, and this is the third segment of our discussion where we discuss Ukrainian-Russian uh, international matters. Uh, I uh, strongly encourage you to see the previous two episodes and uh, to please click all the subscribe and buttons uh, and and other. Uh, other buttons that are important uh, for you to get notified about our episodes and everything that we release. Uh, now, Stanislav, I wanna I wanna go uh, to uh, to what we began discussing in the previous segment, which is you mentioned that the law of unintended consequences. I this is something extremely important in this context because from what I can see, and again, this is just my personal assessment based on the observations and based on some you know some some media. Uh, uh, media occurrences that I was able to uh, to observe and that I think are credible, but uh, it seems like there's just a whole network of unintended consequences right now. First of all, it seems like uh, the the West was in the in the beginning was reluctant to actually even do this detachment of the russian banks from swift finally they did that this came through although they did not actually detach all of the banks but only some of the banks and again i mean this is a, an info war here so uh, you know the russian side says oh this doesn't matter at all those banks are meaningless <laughs> anyway and so, so and the west says oh no those are the most vital the most important banks and and, and they will kill the russian economy immediately uh, then uh, you know there was this uh, i think russian was it french French prime minister or French finance minister, some uh, some representative of the French government who suddenly went off script and said that we're going to actually launch an all-out economic war against Russia now. And then he, they had to, you know, re- uh, retract that. They had to, you know, say that it's not exactly correct. But that was a week ago or something like that. And back then, back a week ago, the situation was still a little different. Now, I think if he had said it's yesterday, everything would be perfectly fine. But, uh, but which is also something that uh, is... Uh, unintended consequence here. I feel that, you know, the question of the sanctions is one thing, but also the question of this emotional reaction, and I want to very briefly speak about it here, is that, you know, I'm, I reside in Poland, okay? I've been I've lived here for 25 years, and, and uh, you know, as much as I can be critical of the government, you know, here, the current government, the previous government, all the governments, you know, uh, that's my role as a journalist, to criticize and to make important and meaningful criticism. But, you know, now, now they are being very emotional and they are, you know, doing this kind of uh, humanitarian, they are displaying this humanitarian approach. They take in all the refugees and all the rest of it, which of course strikes me as something extremely, extremely Uh, Well, non-genuine, because uh, like a few months ago, we had like 2,000, not 2 million, 2,000 refugees from from northern Iraq, from Syria, from Afghanistan, you know, on the border between Belarus and Poland, and Poland would build a wall not to let in 2,000 refugees. And now they welcome with open arms, you know, 2 million Ukrainians.
1: Is so racist on its face. Yeah,
0: of course. I mean, this is racist like one hundred percent. But I would say it's even you know it's it's like uh, if those people were coming from a different country which was not bombed or uh, invaded, okay, by by Russia, then they wouldn't be taking them anyway. I mean, it's it's just like they want to stick it to the Russians. That's how I read it, okay. But uh, you know they, they they're doing this, and this and the unintended consequence here is going to be that we're going to have those two three million. I don't know how many are going to arrive in the final aftermath. And uh, you know, and we're going to have to do something about it. And this government has no idea how to tackle situations like this. And I, I, I know that. Okay, I mean, I've been criticizing this government for its ineptitude for uh, the last six years. But anyway, so that's that's one unintended. Then you know, the unintended consequences on the on the Russian end. Like, come on, I don't quite believe as much as you know. I, I feel that of course the Russian administration must have prepared. To to a large extent, uh, for being sanctioned to to you know to their necks, because you know the, the the stockpiling of cash, the stockpiling of gold, all those things, obviously. But they were not prepared for this atomic bomb. Like they're going to get their assets of their central bank frozen abroad, because if they had prepared, if they had predicted that, then they would have moved. Those those money from other central banks probably to Russia or or wherever where they would be saved. That's that's at least logically speaking. That's how you would uh, view this question. So, like, what are the unintended consequences that you are most afraid of? Like, what do you think could now be uh, you know the problem for the Russian administration to control to the extent uh, or maybe to uh, what 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 is going to be the biggest problem for the Russian authorities to control so that. The Russian, the, the standard of life in Russia does not decline back, you know, to to, to the late 90s or something like that.
2: Well, uh, the most important, like unintended consequence will uh, affect all of us is the spike in crime inside Russia. Because mm. until recently we had a relatively low crime rate. So uh, you could go wherever you want. Uh, you can you could be alone at night uh, are returning from from a party or whatnot, and all the all the lights are shining, and so you are not afraid of anyone. But mm-hmm. obviously, if and when the material condition deteriorates in Russia, I mean the crime, I mean pity crime or like violent violent crime. Unfortunately, I think uh, there are no op- there are no uh, uh, no predictable future in which there is no spike in this crime. That that's problematic. So with uh, with all these uh, like outside sanctions, we have we'll have this problem uh, inside Russia, and also, of course, uh, those uh, soldiers who would return from this military operation in Ukraine, some of them uh, would be hurt uh, uh, physically, but some would be hurt like psychologically as well, and that's the problem. Of course, we have also a lot of refugees from uh, from Donbas, right? They're also like uh, they need special special attention special special treatment as well so uh once again if we if we return to 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 the to the humanitarian message right so i consider geopolitics a, a fake a, a fake science as uh, hmm. uh, hans morgenthau uh, put it uh, in in his, in one of his books so it's a, it's a pseudoscience but uh, uh, the the real uh, the real people and their grievances and their tragedies are are real. So, in this, we will, uh, the, the consequences of even the victorious uh, military operation are dire for, for these people.
0: Okay, but apart from you you know, apart from crime, you know, I just want to because obviously, I mean, there. I just
1: want to weigh in. Why do you think that is? Because it was just a relative stable situation, but you still had a lot of gangs and crime, and it was difficult before. And somehow Putin's regime made it possible to keep it in check, and now you think it's going to explode because the state is going to go weaker, or why is that? Well, and by uh, the way, you don't have the possibility to buy guns in Russia as far as I know. you can just go to a supermarket and buy a Kalashnikov or at least I hope.
2: <laughs> well uh, it, it depends on how you how you read the statistics about the whether or not owning a gun makes you more safe or less safe. there are there are different different opinions and different uh, 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 ideas about this. take Moldova, mm-hmm. for example. so, they have they can buy guns but the there is no sp- uh, there was no spike in, in, in violent crime when they, uh, they the, when they let uh, the people buy guns so it's it's a complicated issue but uh, to return to your question well uh, in the in the 2000s and 2010s i mean uh, we we saw a a drop in violent crimes but this this drop this decrease uh, this obvious decrease in violent crimes and petty crimes coincided with the growing economy, mm-hmm. based mainly on uh, oil exports and on on the markets uh, on, on the uh, on the market prices. So now, if you if you have uh, like this general decline uh, in, in the economy, so you cannot just predict that uh, uh, we, we would have the the same uh, low rate of of crime. That that's it. So if we had a like if we had like sanctions but some uh by 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 by, by some magic uh, economic growth of course uh, in this case uh, uh i would not be uh, afraid of, of this uh possible uh, uh spike in in crime
0: okay but then uh okay but crime is is a kind of yeah well something i i didn't think of that's the, so that, that that obviously is is a kind of uh unintended consequence here that people might not be realizing but uh you know w- what about this this thing you know the, the the kind of canceling of russia like how how do russians perceive that and i think it's uh it's something that i imagine you know but again i i just i'm an observer i'm an outside observer, external observer you know but i imagine that this must be extremely insulting and infuriating for for, for russians like what do you mean you're going to cancel our sports team or what do you mean you're going to cancel our tchaikovsky uh whatever uh, concerts like all over all over the world what, what do you mean you're going to cancel our opera stars you, you know th- this this is something again law of unintended consequences i mean those people are getting carried away and they just they, they really and since this liberal uh, Orthodox, liberal, council culture is in, you know, in place pretty much all over the West. They really think probably that they can do that, and since they feel very angry about what Russia has done, and as I say, I, I said that I think in the first segment, I don't think they are very angry because Russia has actually done something that 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 you know is is going to cost lives, okay, of <clears throat> thousands of people probably, and is going to end in terrible destruction of property and so on and so forth, and tragedy and displacement. And but they 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 hate it because it's them who who should be doing that in their mind and not someone else without their authorization but that's uh, that's maybe a little mm, a little bit I mean I'm digressing here but uh you know this thing like okay you are you are bad russians you are not going to drink our coca-cola you're not good enough to drink our coca-cola you're not good enough to wear adidas shoes you're not good enough to watch netflix you know netflix can only be watched by civilized nations you know or you're 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 actually bad enough for us to uh go against our own moral provisions that we you know we we ban uh, everywhere in public the usage of hate speech, but no, for you, it's okay. You deserve to be hated. And we actually encourage everyone to hate you because we hate you, which is like we in this context is the Western establishments. Then, you know, uh, you're, not, you're not good enough to use our iPhones as if like the Russians cannot produce their own or buy it from the Chinese, but that's again a little bit on the side. And then, uh, you know, in the final aftermath, I mean, it's gonna, you know, it's gonna produce something, and I wonder whether you can anticipate what that is. Like, because okay, now people are kind of you know uh, taken aback by that because whoa, 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 <laughs> what is really going on here? But this, this feeling is gonna, is gonna go, and it's gonna be replaced by anger, fear, uh, uh, some kind of ferocity, fury. fury. Yeah, sorry, and and uh, and, and probably like you know, a rage that like, what do you mean you, you do this to us? Do, uh, do you think that, that that this is pretty much the way it's going to go? Or do you anticipate that, you know, according to the, whatever, to the current circumstances that you can see in Russia and the cultural circumstances that you're very well, uh, and political ones that you're very well, uh, very knowledgeable about, perhaps perhaps a different scenario will play out. How, how do you think? Well, well actually,
2: uh, surprisingly uh, enough, uh, I think that, uh, nowadays, all things, including like uh, emotional grievances, they are very very speedy. Mm. So now I see in my let's say information bubble, I see the stage of exception, uh, ex- acceptance, acceptance, uh-huh. not rage, not like denial, but yeah. uh, acceptance of the consequences of of, of of what what happened and what what's what's going on. So in, in this in in this case, uh, of course. Many people are depressed, and uh, I think uh, depression is, uh, is a more healthy reaction to what's going on than this black and white split, us mm-hmm. against them. Those who support uh, the military operation are white and uh, white angels, and those who are critical, they are enemies both outside of the country and inside of the country. But it's a, it's a tiny minority who, uh, let's say, employ this psychotic uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, way of splitting reality into black and white, but the majority are either depressed or, let's say, are more accepting of the of the concept. But do they feel and
0: offended? Do they feel deeply offended by by their adversaries on the in the West? Ab-
2: absolutely, because uh, yeah, it's from my point of view as a as a person and as a political scientist, it's, it's unacceptable to. And, and as it. a Russian
0: with some kind of dignity, right?
2: Yeah, and, and moreover, you know. Uh, uh, a couple of weeks before the uh the 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 uh the launch of the military operation I had a conversation with a with a liberal friend who is basically uh said this we, we, we spoke about Russia Ukraine oh. and donbas but of course we did not dis- uh, anticipate the military operation etc and he said that I do not support Putin uh and uh, I'm generally not sympathetic with the with uh, uh, with separatism, but I'm I will I am and will also remain on the side of the hostages. Mm -hmm. And the people of Donbas are the hostages of uh, great power competition. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nowadays, I'm thinking about that. uh, The number of hostages multiplied. It's not only the Donbas, it's Russia, Ukraine and Belarus. All the citizens, including myself. So now, now I can say that I'm on my own side because there are many of us who are hostages to this situation. And of course, uh, it's humiliating what you're uh, referring to. You know, the other day, uh, uh, a colleague of mine uh, asked me whether or not uh, th- that how, uh, c- could I help her with the with her credit card that uh, some, for some reason she could not uh, pay for uh, for attending. Uh, a scientific conference which was via via zoom but at the same time like te- technically uh, it was in the uk mm-hmm. and i uh, answered to to her that there is nothing wrong with her card that's uh, it's just uh visa and mastercard who stopped uh, stopped operating and it was just just the day they halted this operations between russia and the outside world mm-hmm. but uh my colleague uh, contacted the uh uh the, uh uh the organizers of this conference and they were appalled by the fact that it's it's impossible for a russian uh, uh national to uh to to pay to pay the fee and they decided just to to accept her without any fee just because well because that that's insane so and she she was able to attend and to to have her uh, to have uh, to, to have her presentation made. So, but I'm not sure whether it's it's gonna be uh, an exception or maybe it's gonna be a, a rule to 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 accept Russian, let's say, scientists. I'm not sure, but that's that, that's on the bright side of it.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yes, that's
1: this the- is this is so so bizarre, and I also witnessed a lot of talks and conferences where they discussed, for instance, in Romania. The Russian situation, I told you, without any kind of attempt to at least contact somebody from Russia, and it's no, so because Russians because, don't deserve it.
0: Russians have no agency. Yeah,
1: it is so interesting. It is so interesting. Also, I think this is just a culmination of a a tendency that was present, unfortunately, but it was tacit because I felt it was, you know, natural to discuss Russia without Russians. And uh, it was only later on that I figured out that it's not something, you know, something is off here Mm -hmm. and something is not really okay when you discuss this and you have a conference where you have people from the US and Romanians and People from other countries, but not Russia. I mean, why? Uh, because um, Russia is not the same thing as Putin, unfortunately, and people don't understand this 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 basic truth. No, yeah, and for them, for Putin, them, Putin
0: is like someone who controls everything, yes, and everyone yes, in Russia. Yes, like you I know, whatever. If Putin says you gotta go to the bathroom, you go to the bathroom. You know, this is.
1: Yes, I just want to ask about this, because, for instance, I organized the conference on national security, and, of course, they discussed Russia. And at some point, they said that we cannot do to the Russians what they can do to us, and except for the you know, psychoanalytical part of that sentence. Uh, you may also think of the way they put it in a way that we are democratic, and progressive thinking made us weak feminism and all the rest make, made us weak, whereas in Russia, everybody does and says what Putin wants. And this is why, and you know, the logical conclusion of that would have been that we have to imitate Putin. You know, because if we want to to tackle the problem, well, we have to imitate them and make uh, put in place authoritarian leaders that Romanians would bow to. But I want to ask, is that the case? I mean, uh, even with that law saying that uh, uh, you may risk 15 years in prison for criticizing, I don't know, the war effort, you're still here with us. So...
2: Well... Uh, uh the Russian political regime is uh, not a democracy obviously but it's not a dictatorship it's called the hybrid regime so uh, there are certain pockets of uh, where where you can um, at least mildly criticize uh, the government and uh, even uh, question the validity of uh, the military operation in Ukraine nowadays and uh, you know what i mean this this general mindset uh, in in uh, in certain Western uh, countries, that we we it, it's normal to discuss Russia without any Russian representatives, or to discuss the Russian-Ukrainian issue uh, 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 without Russians, but don't, only with Ukrainians or, let's say, pro, pro-Ukrainian um, uh, pro, pro-Ukrainian experts. Once again, for me as a political scientist, it, it sounds a bit as a bit as a fake because if you are pro-something expert, you are not an expert.
0: Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Be yeah. An and also, also... In you're something. an
1: activist.
2: Yeah, exactly, exactly. You you should be an expert in something, but not pro something or against something. That's insane. But uh, you know, you know what? I mean, uh, I have a piece of advice for for all of us, actually, for for the for the viewers as well. You know, even I mean, in in uh, political philosophy, there is a concept of the just war, and the, any war could be just or unjust based. On at least two tracks. First, the aims, and the second is the means. So, even if you believe that the military operation launched by Russia against uh, Ukraine on the 24th of February is unjust uh, uh, in its uh, in its uh, goals, like it's it's unjustified and it's based on false, pre- false pretexts and whatnot, it does not mean you cannot. Logically, infer from that that every piece of information coming from Russian sources, be it uh, 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 government sources or independent sources, that it is all wrong, and everything coming from the Ukrainian side, from news agencies, uh, government officials, just activists, is it's all true. It is yes. not. I mean, as a yes, this small expert scary. in 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 in. Uh, uh in in ukrainian new news outlets i mean recently i subscribed to a couple of uh, established and uh uh respected uh ukrainian news agencies so as to balance my picture of, what, of what's going on 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 the ground and i mean every every th- second or every third third of of pieces of news is uh is p- partly or totally like uh, fake news that's it it doesn't matter that everything coming coming from their side is is the fake news but just 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 to make sure i mean yeah. once again we're living in the uh in the envi- environment of the fog of war once the military operation uh is finished we will know the truth yes yes
0: yeah can i can i can i just uh okay. you know comment on it uh, here because i i think that's very important to understand because this is there's this infantile incredibly infantile element that i am a, i'm against i'm opposed to this invasion that means i have to stop reading russian media which is like which is pretty much what the west is trying to do okay so you you should be against the war which i am you should then not uh, entertain the idea that something about that war could be correctly presented in the media that use the russian that use russian language i mean how how is this logical in uh, to any extent and of course to a person that has some kind of intellectual dignity it's deeply offensive like what do you mean yes because it
1: means you cannot judge by yourself yeah. you have to be protected and you have yeah. to launch a, some sort of preemptive strike of on your of your own and p- protect yourself from any kind of sources that do not align with you might think that uh, present the truth and, and of I course censorship of doesn't
0: work it just doesn't, doesn't work. work I mean everyone with their you know everyone who knows how to use a computer normally like most of the people who know how to use a computer and the internet they know how to access all those websites which are blocked you know? yes
1: but you know what? this is so bizarre because I told you know some Romanians here intellectuals oh you must be so happy now the propaganda is gone because Russia oh, yeah. today was closed, and now what we are seeing on TV is just the pure truth, isn't yeah, it? And, and and
0: then yeah, of course you're right. And then the concept that you know everything that comes out from Moscow or Russia is a lie, and everything that comes out from uh, Kiev or Ukraine is correct. And then you know if you are, if you follow uh, those things, then you will easily see that pretty much everything and I said it in the first segment and it's no exaggeration like I don't know maybe it's 60 maybe it's 70 maybe it's even 90% of those things which are the most bombastic news from, from Ukraine they just get debunked in 48 yeah, yeah, hours maximum yes, yes, like yes, take you know the that's... Snake Island the ghost of Kiev like I don't want the list is very long really so you know uh, and, and then there are obviously there are, there are things which you have to be very careful with and you know you have to admit to yourself that you're not able to corroborate or verify it in any way but still I mean, you gotta apply uh, some basic logic, and you know, when it comes to this bombardment of hospital, for example, that that was on the news the last forty-eight hours, then you know, okay, okay, like all kinds of atrocities happen through uh, in a war, and everything is possible. I understand that, but you know, I, I intuitively question the notion that. The Russian forces have deliberately bombed down a maternity leave hospital. Like it just makes no sense. Like you know, it's like Assad dropping ke- applying chemical weapons, right? Like right yes, before but he was. So, yes, yeah. people are buying into that.
1: People are buying into that. Yeah, yeah. People I just are. want are, to go are, back to to, but, to but, because we we should devote a whole section only to this media hype around Ukraine and all the craziness that's being circulated, especially on social media. Now I want to ask because. This is a special moment where you have the most formidable tools of communication and yet you have so little information on what's happening in uh, in uh, there. So what's uh, what's the position uh, of the uh, how should I say what is your opinion on what's happening there? Because this is I think, the safe way to go here because you have no way of knowing yourself since the truth is uh, the truth uh, died a long time ago, I would say, and now what we are seeing is just some parts and pieces of information that we might get from credible or less credible sources.
2: Well, the truth is fighting on the barricades as we speak, right?
1: Okay, uh, thanks, thanks a lot.
2: <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not a military expert, but from what I can tell is, you see, Ukraine, especially uh, Central and Eastern Ukraine, is a very much urbanized country. So, and the problem uh, the Russian military is facing, to the best of my knowledge, is that the ukrainian army obviously doesn't want to fight on an open field like in the medieval times right because obviously the russian army is stronger and whatnot so the ukrainian army and uh, like many reg- regiments of it are situated in big cities like kharkiv like sumi and uh, some others and the problem is that uh their uh let's say their rocket launchers etc they are stationed in residential areas because there are only residential areas in big cities right so uh, and uh, the russian army can launch rockets from these residential areas but uh, if russian if the russian military reciprocates it would definitely jeopardize the lives of the residents of these areas and so that's why there is uh, Nothing's sure. Uh, nothing's uh, like a, a a lightning strike. War from the Russian side, because uh, the, to the best of my knowledge, the Russian military doesn't want to uh, to increase the civilian civilian casualties. So uh, it's it, it's it's the the central military problem in in this in this whole operation. And there's, uh, there are a lot of uh, evidence to that. But once again, uh, if we're speaking about the just war concept people do not understand some of them uh, that you can your goals could be questionable but you could try to to uh to use uh uh, uh humane means of of waging of waging this war and uh to, to the best of my yes, knowledge but the European, there are people Christ
1: saying that the, the russian military was not expecting ukrainians to fight so hard and they were taken by surprise and that uh, Um, right now what is happening is that the Russian military got very, how should I say, confused by the whole situation since uh, they encountered such fierce uh, reaction from the Ukrainians.
2: Well, uh, uh, yes, I I guess that the main tactics of the Russian army nowadays is to cut the uh, big uh, uh, parts of Ukrainian armies from supplies and to wait until they surrender because they would Run out of of, amni- of ammunition and uh, of of any supplies. I, I guess it's it's the uh, it's the main tactics in the Donbas area because the the biggest part of the Ukrainian army, to the best of my knowledge, is there in in Donbas. If you look at if yeah, you look at yeah. but uh, 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 whether or not uh, the Russian planners uh, were uh, uh, just uh, had this uh, possibility in mind that the the Ukrainian army would not. Surrender uh, in in 24 hours after the initial uh, air strikes. Uh, well, it's it's one of the many questions of uh, of, of this war, and once again, it's it, it's the fog of war situation. When when it stops, uh, I hope it stops uh, soon. We will know more details about whether or not the Ukrainian army uh, fought as vigorously as we as we think. Whether or not there were a lot of you know, Ukrainian uh, military uh, men who surrendered to the Russian army, etc. I mean, now no, it's it, it's a big question mark.
0: Right. Okay. We're going over time here, but I still want to get this from you. Let's let's just assume that things go, uh, you know, go quickly in a sense that okay, the the immediate war is won in uh, a one month time, for example. Then, do you think that uh, that the russians are actually going to try and take under control the, the the entire territory of the country because there are some speculations and perhaps you know you have your own uh, that the that they are actually going to try and partition the country because it's too toxic to go into western mm-hmm. ukraine where uh, you know particularly uh, in, in these circumstances where you know even people that are That are favorable or were favorable to Russia are now having this dissonance. Okay, so uh, I I wonder whether you think that this is what is at stake here, like the entire territory of of Ukraine, and and uh, or, or whether it could end in some kind of partition, and you know the Russians cutting off I don't know western districts and. Telling to the US, okay, go and have it if you want it so much. Uh, and, and then second question, and I would like to then you know just end the program on, 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 on that. Is that the second question is, okay, whatever happens, the entire territory, half of it, two-thirds of it, whatever, how do you think the Russians are gonna be able to, to manage that after you know this war uh, has played itself, has played out? And and all the hostilities have grown to the extent that, you know, even Russian commentators, which are extremely favorable to Vladimir Putin, like Solovyov, for example, they go like, they're going to hate us. And I know they're going to hate us, but they will understand eventually that we had to and so on and so forth. So how, if you could just, you know, present your take on those two things.
2: Well, first of all, I do not believe in partition just uh, based on the fact that uh, if you, uh, consider Ukraine to be potentially uh, 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 potentially dangerous. Why would you consider like half of uh, Ukraine being like uh, cut into two pieces? Uh-huh. This uh, second pieces, which is not under your control, to be like le- less toxic and less prone to to anti-Russian like striking in in the future. Uh-huh. But having said that, I do not believe that Russia has uh, a desire or even like technical ability to control uh to occupy and control the whole ukraine i mean even if we speak about uh the crimea uh the crimean peninsula which was like 90 percent pro-russian and which was uh, annexed without firing a shot etc cetera, etc cetera. even with the crimea with the russian speaking etc crimea there have been many problems uh m- many uh, problems uh in uh, in the administration of this territory and if we speak about Ukraine which is 35 or 40 million strong and not entirely pro-russian so to speak I mean it's uh, for me from a technical point of view I think it's impossible to to control it so, so I they're gonna they're
0: gonna try and, and make uh, some kind of cut a deal with this government
2: well it's 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 another big question mark but mm-hmm. uh, uh, let, let's let's say uh, uh, I'll say this uh, I mean, those, uh, uh, those claims by Russia and those, uh, like, uh, those conditions which are proposed by Russia, they are, from my point of view, they are very much acceptable. I mean, the neutral status of Ukraine, official recognition of, the crime, of, of Crimea as part of Russia, official recognition of the two breakaway republics, a uh, total ban on neo-Nazi and radical nationalist mm. movements inside Ukraine. I mean, it's so, it's I mean, you shouldn't fight for it. Actually, from my point of view, I mean, it, it, it's, it's a good thing. And uh, uh, by, by the way, uh, I, 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 I think it's, it's quite achievable that Russia would eventually uh, become the official uh, guarantor of Ukraine security. Because after 1945, who is and who has been the official guarantor of Japan's security? The United States. Right, so in this case, I mean, it's uh, maybe now it sounds a bit like a make-believe thing or uh, like mm. a bad dream. But generally speaking, it it happened there with Japan and the United States after Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Why why cannot it happen with, with Ukraine?
0: Yeah, yeah, it probably could, uh, and you know, let's just hope for the best. I uh, personally have to say that uh, you know my my view on this is that like those demands, I also think they are rational and they are acceptable. I, I personally don't see anything that you know is worth a war here. But you know, I I'm an external observer, and and I don't want to play a smart, uh, you know, smart guy here, the, the or the smartest in the room. But but it's something that you know it's going to repeat itself because from what I get, from what I can see so far, is has been like okay, the Russians come. The Russians, you know, they launched this invasion and then they could go to the government because they could have taken down the government immediately and probably replaced it. Like technically it would have been possible. But what they seem to be wanting to do is they seem to want to cut a deal. That's why I asked you the question, because I, I, you know, it seems like, okay, they go to Zelensky and they say, okay, so these are our demands. What about it? And then he says, no. Okay. So there's like another week of fighting or something. And then they come again. And so what about our demands now? And, you know, I just expect that in one moment it's just going to have to, they're going to have to, to agree to those terms because obviously the Russians have, have made it clear that they are not negotiating this. They are just putting it on the table and someone has to accept it. If not, they're just going to keep going and going and going, and I don't know where it's where it ends. But you said it yourself; like the Russians don't have the technical, the capacity really to occupy a whole country of the magnitude or of the size of Ukraine and to you know manage it then as as an occupying force. So uh, yeah, I I guess we we have to we have to count on 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 I, I don't know people just somehow realizing the, the, the actual situation, I mean, coming to terms with reality. I don't know to what extent, and perhaps this is something you can very, very briefly comment on, to what extent do you think the Ukrainian authorities, the current Ukrainian authorities are, are independent in their, their decision making? Because, you know, after the shooting of the negotiator, which was something, you know, uh, extraordinary to say the least then you you know to what extent and and you know obviously washington puts some pressure but you know to what extent are they independent of of those violent factors on the ground that are just going to you know if someone wants to say even like okay let's think about peace and neutrality then you know they can just get shot
2: well uh actually i'm trying to abstain from answering the questions about the let's say, under underwater factors or like hidden factors mm-hmm. of world politics and including the politics of Ukraine, because there is a general uh, argument here in, in, in Moscow that uh, the Zelensky government is a puppet government, and it's the Americans who are in control, and also they have these neo-Nazi uh, uh, forces inside the uh, Ukrainian military, and they are sort of operating on their own. Uh, agenda without uh without uh, accepting commands from from the from the central uh, military authority i mean it's 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 a bit questionable uh, because uh, at the end of the day ukraine is not a failed state okay and uh, so basically that, that for me it's it, it, it's a big question why why for example president zelensky uh did not uh did not surrender in the first 24 hours and what did he expect from yeah. from West to do? And why does not he accept the this uh, once again from my perspective acceptable uh, terms uh, by, by the Russian Federation? Because uh, whether I mean I mean for me as a, as a regular guy who does not believe in geopolitics, I mean uh, uh, the the whole NATO membership idea is not worth a, I don't know a, a cry of a child, to say nothing about like death of many people. Thousands I mean, it's people. not worth it. The, the way the question is, is not worth it, but for them, it's, it's not the case.
0: Okay. On that note, we end this program. Thank you very much, Stanislav, for all your insights and, and, and comments and the information you provided. Thank you, Maria, for being with us, and thank you to all people that are uh, listening and watching our program. Go to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash to support our Eastern European independent journalism. See you sometime later. Thanks so much.